We don't have to sing. Let's not. Oh, hello, gentle listener. Welcome to Hot Drinks. Before... I'm fucking drunk. God damn it. Like and subscribe. Tahiti Watiti. Taika Watiti. His first name's Taika? Yeah. Not Tahiti? It's Tahiti not. Watiti. Oddly enough, it's not Tahiti. Welcome to Hot Drinks. My daughter and her boyfriend. His name is Tahiti. Have this thing that they say, poo poo pee pee, Taika Watiti. <laughs> For no reason. I'm sorry if I spit on you when I laughed. That you was didn't. That was special. You didn't. Welcome this is part two of of hot drinks special same sex investigative reporting about BYU about or the something documentary called same sex attracted so far it's mostly about the politics of BYU and so far no sex which is with disappointing same, with the same sex no same sex sex which or is disappointing. otherwise or yeah otherwise it is so we're back you get two episodes this week because some weeks you get none. So that's how we roll. <laughs> that's how we roll here. Listen, sometimes we're depressed and we can't get together and record. Yeah. And sometimes we do. And here we are, and two days in a row. we're still depressed. Right. <clears throat> but it's manageable today. Do you have a lozenge? I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, um... I want to discuss this. <laughs> so our Lord and Savior, C. Jane Christ, who always gives feedback after each episode. She's the best. Oh, by the way, welcome to Hot Drinks. My name's Brother Jack Coffee. This is Sister Light at 8.20. This is a podcast about Mormonisms. We tell a joke here about a podcast like you don't know what it is. <laughs> so our friend and Savior, C. Jane Christ, <laughs> listens to each episode and then sends us feedback because I've told her that that's all I care about, <laughs> is if I make her laugh. That that's what keeps you going? That's what keeps me going. Get you out of bed. So she said, she was like, Brother Coffee. We have been discussing for decades, I believe she said, uh-huh. or for 10 years yeah, yeah. about Sister Twain's cough. It's not going away. Yeah. And when you offered her a lozenge, even before she said anything, I screamed at my phone, the lozenge won't help. <laughs> so I just want to point out in my own defense, mm-hmm. I know the lozenge won't help. Yeah. But in my heart, I feel like the lozenge will help. Right. Like, I just want to help. This is This is very similar to how... Logically, you know, marriage is bullshit, but you see your married friends and you're like, they're so happy. Yeah, it's true. It's, yeah. I saw, I saw a, a married friend of ours on Instagram today and I was like, they're so beautiful and happy. Right. And they're anyway, not. They're, I mean, I think they are. They're, but... real, they're not. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know who the fuck you're talking well, about. Well, we'll talk after the break <laughs> and then you'll be like, oh yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, okay. okay. So <laughs> I'm not going to offer you a lozenge. Great. Uh, we're going to do just a smidgen of women's work. Right. Um, even though we just talked to you guys yesterday, y'all, y'all. No, nothing's changed. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm having a real hard time not saying you guys. Yeah. I'm really working on it. Yeah. So I mean, we're leaning into y'all. I kind of want to get a shirt that says, like make a t-shirt that says, if I say you guys, it's because it's habitual. I'm really trying to say y'all instead. That's a very, I mean, I feel like maybe you can come up with a funnier, <laughs> quippier <laughs> saying just, I just that. want it to be informative. Um, so, women's work. So, okay. Today, um, on my Instagram story, uh-huh. I posted a stick figure drawing oh, that, yes. I, that I drew Yes. in response to... Do you want a hot toddy? My Just God. Kidding. In response to... That I drew in response to a 
thread that I started on a From Blood and Ash fan page. (laughs) Wait, like on Facebook? Yes. Oh my God. There is, and I joined it because they're giving spoilers about the upcoming book the author is on this page. And if you don't remember, From Blood and Ash is the horny fantasy novel Mm. that Sister Twain has been reading. It's a series. Young redheaded heroine. Right. 200-year-old. Right. 200-year-old prince who looks like he's maybe 25. Okay, so anyway. Just they be fucking. Oh, yeah. So I posted on there about a particular scene in the second book, which is called... um, Put it in my bum. Um, 20-year-old, 200-year-old. <laughs> um, I have to get it right. Okay, it's, I've only listened to it. A Kingdom of Flesh and Fire is oh, the second book. It's a hot kingdom. Oh, yeah. It fucking is. Yeah. They don't have any problems with premarital sex. No. no at all. No. So, anyway, there's this one particular sex scene in there that I've always been confused about as far as, like, positioning. Okay. Like, um, she's so new to the sex thing big picture wise that you think she would have been more specific. Okay. Especially after I learned what the position actually is. Okay. So I put Did on, you learn from the message board yes. what the position is? Okay. And so other people were confused as well. Yes. People were like, let's clarify yeah. what's happening. Okay. Except there were a couple of readers on there who were like, oh, I I can explain it to you. Are you okay with a stick figure drawing? And I'm like <laughs> It was one of the administrators of the group, too. Amazing. And I'm like, yeah, apparently it's not against the rules, so go for it. But before she got to it, I went back and listened to it and drew what I thought it was, uh-huh. which is... Okay, go. So, let me set the scene. This heroine, her name's Poppy. Poppy. Redheaded. Did I mention she's redhead? A young redhead, just like you. She <laughs> kills a horrible enemy who's inside of a carriage. Right. The prince, who's fucking crazy about Poppy. And he's 200, but he looks 20. Right. Because he's like a vampire? Why is he 200? I can't tell you. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, you wouldn't understand. That's the point. <laughs> so, okay. So, <laughs> so, he is outside of the carriage, but doesn't get to the carriage in time to witness it. He just comes in and sees that it's done. Okay. Oh, that the... the- the that it, the wicked person's, person's been killed, dead. yeah, and they and they literally obliterated to a pile of ash. So it's not like a dead body was in the carriage. Okay. So he comes in to the carriage, sees that it's done, turns to his guards and says, "No one comes near this carriage." Closes the carriage door and fucks Poppy. So so. <laughs> Is, did he? Did they like sweep the ashes out first, or are they kind of in the ashes? It's just a big carriage. Oh. Okay, okay, just hold some space for the carriage. Okay. So, what is said is that he put me on the seat okay. of the carriage on my knees. Okay. And pulled my pants down to my knees. Uh-huh. And then grabbed my hands and put them on the wall. And uh-huh. I'm, like, confused because she doesn't say what's, where she's facing, Oh, what I'm he's following facing. right along, yeah. So... The stick figure I drew, before I saw the other two amazing stick figures, uh-huh. which ended up being exactly the same position as mine, is that he he turns her around. Right. Facing away from him. Right. Puts her on the seat of the carriage. Right. Facing the wall of the carriage. Right. Takes her hands, puts them up against the wall. Right. He's already yanked her pants down. Right. 
And then he says, before we begin, do I have your active and enthusiastic he consent actually does. to proceed with the sex act? Okay, I love he, it. He actually does, but in, in fantasy old, old English. Y'all, consent is hot, and is then, what I'm saying. And, of and co- modesty is and, not. And, <laughs> and she says something like, it is so indecent that we're having sex right now. And she says it half kidding, half serious. Uh-huh. Um, because she just killed someone. And right. there's people outside the carriage. There's ashes on the ground. And he whispers in her ear, I don't give a fuck. And then you came. And then he pounds her. It's pound town. Is, is he pounding her in the B-hole? Or is he pounding her in the V-hole? No, if he was pounding her in the B-hole. Uh-huh. So it's all from her perspective. She would have said something. Oh, okay. Like, uh, so he put it in a place that I never would have imagined. That, right. Okay. Yeah. That someone's... Little innocent poppy. Hard who length. Who somehow turned a man into a pile of ash. <laughs> so anyway, I drew that stick figure. But I also wanted to say about that thread on the Facebook group. Uh-huh. That the author herself came on. Okay. Not having seen the drawings yet and explained the positioning. <gasps> nice. And it was exactly what we drew. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It was a very exciting thing. Oh, what a great day. It was a great day. The sun was shining. My post got like 669 likes. Did you see what I did there? That was clever. <laughs> that was clever. Um, well, I don't have any women's work Weird. today. I do have a messy kitchen that I wish a woman would come and clean. Oh my God. Just kidding. We don't Maybe your in sister's. <laughs> Maybe wah, after wah, do the dishes wah. after um, coffee and his sisters like a Woody Allen play. Oh movie. God, he didn't write plays. No, no, we hate that motherfucker. Oh yeah. Okay, so we're gonna jump back into our little documentary mm-hmm. and finish it off. Yeah. While you finish yourself off, or whatever. Thinking about that sex scene in the carriage. Maybe. Are there, is there any gay sex in this book? No, but I have a suspicion that in the next book there will. Because he's looking for his brother. Okay. And she's looking for her brother. Oh, and the brothers be fucking, And we, we get wind towards the end of this second book uh-huh. that they're together. Oh. Wherever they are, captivity, whatever. Okay. okay. I think they be fuck, yeah. Tahiti Watiti. All right. <laughs> Let's take a little break. And, and then, then you're going to get an uh, update on the next portion of Same, same Sex, sex attracted. attracted that you can buy on iTunes. Which doesn't mean gay. No. <laughs> that's different. So when we last left you <laughs> with the documentary Same Sex Attraction, yes, the students had had a panel with the BYU people, a meeting... Called the working group. The, with the working the BYU group. BYU people are called the working group. Change from task force. Right. So when we come back, we find that one of the students, her name is Bryn, she's uh, a lesbian, um, that shortly after that meeting, so basically, so going back in time a little bit, basically her roommates, okay, so when you live in BYU, <laughs> when you go to BYU... <laughs> You have to live in BYU-approved housing. You can't so, just live anywhere in yeah, Provo. You have to live in housing that BYU says this housing lives up to 
those standards of the honor code. So, yeah. which means you can't ever, none of the housing can be co-gendered. Even like, as far as like, I think entire floors or entire buildings have to be all the same gender. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have, you can't have boys living next door to girls. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something with BOU housing? I, I honestly don't remember, but don't that either. sounds right. But yeah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. rules about that. And then obviously like that there's no alcohol or drugs or partying or whatever. Anyway, the whole BYU housing thing is this, is a huge problem it's super problematic because it allows these kind of slum lords to rent out these shitty apartments in Provo and they don't have to make their apartments nicer and compete because they will always get contracts because students have to live in housing that BYU has approved mm. so it has so anyway so it's hugely problematic anyway so this girl Bryn I think she lives with her girlfriend I right think so yeah so anyway their roommates came to them and said that they were concerned because they were no longer feeling the spirit in the house because there were lesbians there. Right. And so they kind of talked and like worked out some ground rules and like Bryn said they've had this great discussion. And then two days later, the roommates moved out without telling them. Two days later. Reported them to the housing authority at BYU. To to honor code office. Yeah. So they received a letter from the apartment complex saying... <clears throat> because you're in violation of the honor code and of, and of BYU's housing rules, you have three days to comply or you will be kicked out of this apartment. But you will be kicked out and you will have to continue to pay rent for the rest of the semester contract. because you're under a contract. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like what they had to comply with, what they had highlighted on the letter from the honor code office was a line about not possessing pornographic or obscene or erotic or erotic materials yes which they didn't have they were just lesbians right so so somehow their existence which and this is like this is part of the whole history of gay people (laughs) somehow the existence of gay people is seen as like adult or obscene or or like you know, it's decent pornographic. Yeah. Yeah. Like we can have straight people kissing in movies or TV or whatever all day long. And it's like no big deal. It's on daytime TV. Like nobody cares. Right. But if a gay couple kisses, then suddenly it's like, there's something indecent or obscene about that. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. So anyway, so, so they moved out, they had to move out. Right. And then they moved somewhere else and then tell what happened with their bishop. So they got, so Bryn got a letter from her bishop that was the bishop of the ward she was in. In the old apartment. In the old apartment. And he was like, you need to contact your new bishop. Right. And... I'm going to be in touch with him to see if you've made contact. Right. Because you need to meet with him. And I think what she said, the letter said, was figure things yeah, out. Yeah, figure this situation out. Yeah. Yeah. And if I hear that you haven't met with your new bishop, who he, you know, he can look up who it is very right. easily. Yeah. I won't. Um, I will revoke your ecclesiastical endorsement. Right. So an ecclesiastical endorsement is something that you have to have and renew every semester with your bishop. Or allegedly your ecclesiastical mm-hmm. leader. Because like if you're a Catholic, it can be like your 
some other church leader or right. something. That's, and I'm sure some people are listening to this and going, wait, you can go to BYU and be Catholic? Yeah, like you allegedly. Can. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. Um, <clears throat> so ecclesiastical endorsements from your bishop or whoever who deems you worthy slash living the honor code, right. which is the same thing. Right, right. And if he doesn't submit that, you don't. You're out of school. You're, you're, you're not expelled. enrolled any yeah. longer. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so we don't know what happened with that. I'm sure we'll find out. Right. But we wanted to bring you up to speed. Let me make a quick note about ecclesiastical endorsements at BYU and Catholics going to BYU. Okay. If you are a Catholic and you go to BYU or a Protestant or a Jew or whatever, and you go to BYU, and in your tenure at BYU, you decide, hey, these Mormons are cool. I'd like to join the Mormon church. And so you leave Catholicism or whatever and you join the Mormon church. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Everyone's thrilled. This is wonderful. If you are a Mormon and while at BYU, you say, you know what? I actually really like what the Protestants are saying or what the Episcopals are saying. I'm going to leave Mormonism and join the Episcopal church. You're expelled from BYU. Uh, yeah. So like, so <laughs> if anyone can join Mormonism, and that's great, but if, if you're a student and you leave Mormonism, then you're expelled from the university. Right, so. right. Also, I wanted to say that when we returned from the halfway point right. yes, from yesterday, the very first scene was with our gay apologist. Yeah, right? he's a little bit of a gay apologist, um, yeah. <clears throat> who um, was in the very bottom floor of the HVAC. Which is the arts building where Sister Twain and I spent many a day. Many of our days. Many, 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 days. many of our days. I recognize that basement <clears throat> so well. That's the building where the people would come on the toast. Apparently. Yeah. But. They're not doing that in the marb. But <laughs> he was standing in the hallway just outside of the Margetts Theater. <laughs> oh, I love the Margetts. Which is our black hour. Our black box theater. The yeah. black box theater. Um, Where we probably did some racist and homophobic plays. <laughs> we weren't allowed to do those. Come oh, on. Oh, come on. They totally did that one racist play where they didn't want oh, to hang oh, up black curtains. Because oh, they were afraid head, the black people wouldn't show up. In my head, I, I heard homosexual plays. Oh, no, no, no. Homophobic. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. I don't know. What the fuck was that? What was that? Yeah. Anyway. Um, and he was talking about how... BYU, that the bottom floor of the HVAC or the basement of the HVAC, the floor that the Margetts Theater is on, um, used to be a place. Wait, which floor is it? The just underground. I'm, I'm just kidding. It's underground. Um, so uh, that the university police would come looking right for the gays, right? Because they were all in theater and ballet, with or without re being. Re you know, getting any reports right, or tips. Right. Just looking for them. Right. It's kind of like raiding gay bars, but there and, are no gay bars. And he said that there used to be, I don't know if there still are, I think he said this happened up to the late 70s, sting operations. Yeah. Where a university policeman would post some letter somewhere. Like post an ad, like a Craigslist an ad, ad yeah. except it wasn't Craigslist, but right. like an ad in the paper. Um, Saying it was like male seeking male. Yeah. Get this... BYU gay kid to meet him up the canyon, some lookout point. Right. And once sexual advances were made, he would yell out of the car, and then all these other BYU policemen would come right. and raid. Right. And that 
the typical charge was forced sodomy. Right. Even though sodomy never occurred, right. much less forced. Sodomy means putting your B in a P. In and, a, wait, putting your P in a B. And then he points out that sodomy was technically illegal in Utah until 2003. That's amazing. <laughs> And the best part about all of this is as he's having this discussion and using the phrase forcible sodomy many times, some girl just comes down the hallway behind him and is like opening a door to like get into like a prop closet or something. And she's like five feet behind him and he's like, and so forcible sodomy. <laughs> and she's just like kind of looking. She's anyway, like looking at the camera. And then she just walks away. And it was she great. she just walks away. Exactly. Yeah, she I probably recorded, reported him to the honor club <laughs> office. She probably was like, oh, there was a kid in the basement near the Margetts Theater yeah. talking about forcible sodomy. <laughs> so anyway, what we're moving into now is the there was a panel at BYU. A, when was it? When did they say? 2013? 12. 2012. Where... Um, it was supposed to be the small sociology panel, everything you wanted to know about being gay at BYU, but were afraid to ask. And then like hundreds and hundreds of people showed up. Yeah. So we're talking about that. And that was in the MARB. That was in that was in the MARB. <laughs> what does it stand? What MARB stand? The Marvin is the Mazer. Ma- oh no, I don't know. The Marvin A. Ashworth. Bunt. What? I don't know. The no. B stands for building. Marb building. <laughs> do other campuses have acronyms for the names of their building? I'm sure they do. Call them weird things. I'm sure they do. Well, it looks like it's the Thomas L. Martin building. Oh, so it's just Martin building. Building. But everyone just calls it the Marb. Yeah. That's where you have DNC 101. (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to learn more about the, the panel and that. And we'll be back. Yes, we'll be back. That was, well, we finished. I, you know what? Okay. First, that was depressing, is so, what I want to say. It, it really was. Yeah. It was a snapshot of modern day LGBTQ kids at the school. Right. Um, we all know that the only progress that has been made has been within the LGBTQ community, and it's not sanctioned by the university. Right, right. Um, while you go ahead and share your thoughts, I want to look up the names of the directors really quick. Okay. So a couple things that, so, so they started out, they were talking about, so there was this panel back in 2012 and then they did another panel more recently that they did a couple of panels with some gay students. So there's like a trans guy on the, um, on, that's been kind of a character in this documentary and he's in this panel. And so they're talking about that panel. And what I thought was so interesting because basically they had a panel where people could ask questions and where these queer BYU students could like talk about what their experience was. And and what I found that was so interesting was this this trans man who was a part of the panel was saying, I had to think really hard about like, he's like, I didn't want to say anything and go too far and offend anyone or have them, you know, like ruin it for the future so they could never do a panel again or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it was so, <clears throat> excuse me. It was so striking to me because what he was talking about was his life. Like, what, what could he have said that would have been going too far? He was just talking about his own life and uh-huh. his own lived experiences. and But some, somehow some part of that could be, like, so offensive that, you know, that BYU would never hold a panel like this again. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other thing that was sad and depressing is the girl Bryn, who had the apartment issue, 
basically said she transferred after that semester. Mm -hmm. And she said, if I had not transferred, I would have died. Yeah. She, you know, she said, I would have killed myself if I had stayed. And had I somehow managed to stay alive until I had graduated, which would have taken two or three years, I would have become such a bitter, angry, because I had to keep myself bitter and angry to protect myself. So had I not transferred, I would have um, died. Yeah. So. She was like, undoubtedly. Yeah. So that's great. So <laughs> congratulations, BYU. Yeah. And also, it just, every time it's so shaman in their shitty college apartment, it just like Ugh. gives me like, I can just feel the, the like bed bugs crawling up my back. Like college apartments are so gross. They're the grossest things ever. Yes. Um, And the other thing, and then I'll let you say what you want to say. The other thing that was so interesting to me, and I would be really curious to see these kids, you know, now or five years after the documentary was finished or whatever, they're all so, they're all very apologetic about BYU. Maybe not all of them, but they they always kind of want to say like, I mean, I'm sure the people at BYU are well-intentioned or, you know, I really love Provo. But, like, you know, BYU's kind of hard. And maybe that sounds really harsh. Or, you yeah. know, the honor code office has to go. And if they could get rid of the honor code, BYU would be this really great place. <laughs> and it's like... Mm. It, it's like... It, it feels like Stockholm Syndrome or something. Like, why are you <laughs> yeah. so apologetic about something that's, like, so abusive to you? Exactly. You know? And why are you trying to... Pre- and I think what it is, is that in Mormonism, BYU is synonymous with the church in so many ways. And you are... T- you are taught growing up in Mormonism never to speak ill of the church, never right. to question anything, never to say, well, I don't agree with that decision, never to say, well, I don't really like this person that's a leader, like nothing. Right. You know, you can't have an opinion about anything about the church. And so it's like that bleeds over into these kids' opinions about BYU. And so many of them felt this need to sort of qualify everything they said and say, well, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that they're doing their best or, you know, whatever. No, they're not doing their best. Mm-mm. They don't even. They don't fucking care about you, right? Yeah, they right. don't fucking care. Which is my follow up comment, which is saying, you know, BYU isn't that bad, or it can work for you if you're LGBTQ, or there were a little lot of good parts of it, but a lot of negative parts of it, or and one day they'll change. Yeah, is synonymous to saying. The church isn't that bad. Yeah. There are well, a lot there's of good a lot things. of good. Yep. Yep. And one day the church will change. And I need it's to be that voice inside. The, I need to be that voice inside the church. That's yeah. Gonna, it's not. You're not. It's not going to happen, change. guys. No. Think about you. Stop thinking about your family. Stop thinking about uh, your programming. And that's, of course, easier said than sure, done. Because, sure. Because the truth is, for me personally, and I'm not even LGBTQ, I can't really put myself on in that i mean you can if you want to i could you get to I am, choose. i'm a little bit queer yeah but um we're not gatekeepers i mean some people are but they should <laughs> but they shouldn't be i know um wait, what was i saying uh, oh if, if i'm talking truthfully about myself my cognitive dissonance started at byu yeah. and i didn't leave until I'm trying to do them almost 20 years later. Yeah. Almost 20 years later. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't, I'm sure it hasn't even occurred to some of these LGBTQ kids to leave the church. Yeah. No, probably not. Yeah. 
Because that's not an option yet. Right? No. No. I think what's so hard, and I think what you said is so spot on, it's that the church will change when the church is ready to change. When the church wants to change. Right. When it's politically or financially advantageous for the no church choice. to change. When, yeah. when they've gotten to the point where they have no choice. That's when they'll change. It will have nothing to do with anyone. It will have nothing to do with the work of anyone inside the church. It will have nothing to do with the fights that people are fighting right now. It will, it will come when the business of LDS Inc. decides that it is financially advantageous for them to accept gay people or, you know, whatever. Put whatever problematic doctrine you want to here. Exactly. And so you can... And and the same with BYU. Like, the reason that BYU changed that language in the honor code was because, like we said last time, it had something to do with, you know, sports leagues and, you know... And the ACLU. Yeah, there was... There were legal and financial ramifications to having that language officially written in BYU documents. Absolutely. So you can, so that's when they changed. It has nothing to do with all these students protesting. It has nothing to do with these people that fought this fight. Fuck no. It is 100% when it was advantageous to them. Right. The other thing that I thought, and this is some, reminds, or is kind of like what you said, but they're, Throughout the documentary, they're interviewing a former BYUSGA president, and he says, nothing damaged my testimony of the church more than dealing with administrators at BYU. Wow, yeah, yeah. And he just said, and it wasn't even that, like, it wasn't even that, that, like, they felt powerless or that they you know, like, didn't ha- couldn't affect the change I wanted to change. It's like, he, they didn't even want to hear me. They didn't even stop to live. They didn't, like, close their laptops or put what yeah. their shit down and just focus and listen. Yeah. But he was saying, here I am, a student who's coming to them saying, I'm hurting. I'm representing a whole bunch of other students that are really hurting. Yeah. And they couldn't even take the time to, like, listen they and have a conversation. really invested in Yeah, they in just really didn't care. Saying. So, anyway. So, the two co-directors are Maddie Purvis... P-U-R-V-E-S and Zoe Young. Uh-huh. And because the Exmo community is so such a small world. Yeah. If one of them happens to listen to this, I just want to say thank you for doing this. Yeah. Um, the trans kid Aiden, I think was the name, had a huge effect on me as a mom of a, a transgender son. Yeah. And I um that really tugged at the heartstrings and I really appreciated, um, appreciated isn't the right word, but to see his courage yeah. to transition medically while at BY fucking you. They, he even said something at one point about like how he could get in trouble for like acting on his transition or something. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> What the fuck does that even mean? Like, how do you act on your transition? Like, is it, is it like taking hormones that he could get in trouble for? Is it, is it wearing boys clothes? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is it identifying as a boy? Like, like that's the thing is, and, and it's the same thing I was saying about the lesbian couple that was like pornographic for like existing. Like, that's the thing, like. You can't tell someone, well, it's fine if you're trans, you can't act on it, though. Well, what the fuck what does the that fuck even does mean? That mean? Like, like, that's like me saying, like, it's fine if you have blue eyes, but you can't act on your blue eyes. I know. Well, like, what the, like, how do I stop having blue eyes? Or how do I, how do I act or not act on having blue eyes? Right. It's so disgusting. And it is so disingenuous. And it boils LGBTQ people down to, like, 
sex and body parts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like acting on your homosexuality means fucking. Right. You know? Right. And, or anything that could lead to fucking. Right. As though that's the only thing that exists when you're a queer person right. is fucking. It's... And, and if you're trans, the only thing that exists is are you going to cut the penis off or are you going to keep the penis? Yeah. What, you know? What bathroom What's happening use... to the penis? Yeah, exactly. You know? Or the vagina or whatever. And it's yeah. like, that's what acting on it means. And it's just like, it's so disgusting to take these people that are these young kids that are students mm-hmm. that are coming to your school and to boil them down to this really singular, singular but very important part of who you are. But like, but but so so basic and objectifying. Yeah, that that all they are is is things that can be put in holes and holes right. that can have things put in them. Yeah. And if you do that or do things that could lead to that, the right. wrong holes, things put in the wrong holes, right. then, or holes put against holes, even worse, <laughs> then, then you will be expelled. But as long as you don't act on that, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Anyway, now I'm angry. I no, I want to I I agree with you because I hope that my anger or my st- stress about this documentary, I, I agree with you that I think shout out to these two individuals who made this and who directed it mm-hmm. because I'm sure this was a lot of work and I'm sure that it was not easy to do at BYU or with BYU students or to find right. people that were willing to talk. And I think it is really important. It's it's just really hard. It's really hard as someone so far removed from BYU but also who had such an incredibly different experience at BYU. Mm. I don't know which experience is better, you know? Here's a question for you. Yeah. Okay. You are minding your own business. Sure. Okay. Let's I'm say, just eating a piece of toast. No, <laughs> no, no. Let's say you're in the HVAC. Okay. Minding your own business. Which theater am I near? Let's say you're on the slab. Oh, okay. In between the De Jong. And the Pardo. And the Pardo. Which sounds so stupid. I know, it does. And you... Without trying to look up and see an attractive man mm-hmm. that you're attracted to, that you that find sexy and attractive, uh-huh. what does BYU Josh do, think, and feel in that moment? I would find ways to discreetly look at him, okay, which oh. I was super good at. Oh, oh no, I was very good at good that. For you. Oh yeah, and and who knows? Who knows how discreet I was actually being? Uh-huh. In my mind, I thought I was super discreet. Uh-huh. But that's like, but that's yeah. Growing up closeted, like you're so good at like checking guys out okay. or checking out guys in the locker room or checking out cute guy, whatever, yeah. without letting on that you're checking them out. Okay, okay. I don't know. I was so disassociated from my own body and my own feelings. Like I would think he was attractive. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel guilty about, especially by the time I was at BYU, I wouldn't feel guilty about thinking he was attractive. Okay. Like, I wouldn't feel shame about it at all. Okay. But I just would, it just would be like, he's attractive, that's something you can never have, mm-hmm. and then I would move on with my life. Was there ever a time that maybe you were doing that thing where you're trying to check out the guy mm-hmm. and they notice? I mean, not that I can remember. Okay. I also think I was very careful um, to not be noticed because my greatest fear, it, my greatest fear was not that I would get noticed and that someone would like beat me up or like call me a faggot or whatever. My greatest fear is that someone would notice and then would like 
flirt back or you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. like if if someone noticed me checking them out and then they responded in a positive way, that was so much more terrifying to me than someone seeing me checking them out and then coming over and like punching me. Right, right. Because them responding in a positive way I would have no idea how to react or respond to that. The floor of the HVAC to open to the fiery pits of hell. Yeah. And you could just fall right. Yeah, but like if they came and punched me out, like I could deal with that. I could handle that. Wow. If they came and flirted back or were like, hey, what's your name? You know, like whatever, just engaged, that I could not have dealt with. I cannot wait. If they spit on me and like kicked me and were like, what are you looking at, faggot? I could, that I could have processed. I cannot. Fucking wait to find out what Philip Seymour Hoffman has to say about that. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is not my therapist. She's my friend. I know, but look. But feel free to weigh in, Philip <laughs> Seymour. We also have a couple other friends that listen that are therapists, but... Feel free to weigh in any of our therapist and, friends, but just know that you're my friends first and my therapist later. And they're therapists. Unless you want to be my therapist, then let me know. Therapist somewhere out in the ether that's yeah. it's not real. Um, But... Uh, for those of you who don't know the Philip Seymour Hoffman thing, she is our, we call her our resident therapist, although <laughs> there's though, nothing contractual. Like she's employed by us or <laughs> right, something. Right. There's nothing contractual. There's not. We just interviewed her. She's just her. a friend and a listener. And I, yeah, and we, we interviewed her. We did a two her. part. I can't remember. She was in town and we call her Philip Seymour Hoffman because her last name kind of sounds like Hoffman. Right. And it just came out of my mouth. Kind of like right. Mindy Gledhill became Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal because yeah. I didn't even know I I did one anyway, of those things yeah. anyway 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 yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to cut you off I was just saying like we just sort of made up the name and yeah. now she's the resident yeah, I know. and then we started doing that with everyone um so final thoughts on same-sex attracted at BYU Oh, this is what I wanted to say before okay, I say it. Maybe okay. this is my final thought, but okay. this is what I wanted to say. Because I kind of started saying it when you asked that question about me seeing a cute guy. Um, I don't know which... I don't know... I don't know which experience at BYU is quote-unquote better. Was it being in the closet and just having... I had no expectation of BYU understanding or accepting or whatever my queerness. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't even understand or accept my own queerness really then. So I never expected anything different from the university. Mm -hmm. So by and large, like my associations with BYU are pretty positive because. Because of your expectation. Yeah, because of my expectation, because they were. So is that a better way to do it is to just have no expectation and to live in secret and, and then be able to leave kind of unscathed? Or is it better like like these kids are doing to be like fighting for change and then. Being like taking the wounds of that, like taking the wounds of that battle. Right. I think does better mean having a somewhat decent college experience and not pushing against. Yeah, I don't know. Going against the grain. Yeah, I, I think is what you, yeah. kind of you're trying to convey. Yeah, I don't know. I Two mean, and I don't know that better. And I yeah, and I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer to that question. I just think it's something interesting to think about because these kids obviously have a lot of anger to like ha- dealt with a lot of pain while at BYU. Yeah, I have a lot of anger towards BYU now yeah. as an adult who uh, who lives in the community because of the way that they treat people in my community. Yeah, but I didn't have a lot of anger towards BYU when I went there. Hmm. 
it was a very like pretty positive right? cheery experience i did i had more cognitive dis- some real serious cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. for the first time in my life that had nothing to do with the lgbtq community it did probably in my last year there because in my last year there was when i was married right. i knew that my spouse had same SSA. Sex. SSA. Blah. Yeah. And like it's answer, a disease. And to answer your question, I don't really have any final thoughts. Um, I'm so detached from BYU and my experience yeah. there. Um, it 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 is so hard for me to stomach the idea or to to stomach the thought of the pain that these kids I now know. It's so awful. are are experiencing. Um and I still haven't, or and don't want to, and don't care to, really try to wrap my head around the pain that any LGBTQ student has ever felt at BYU, yeah. including the people of my time. I can't. I cannot. I cannot. Yeah. As a mother of a, a transgender child, right, who has struggled so much with his mental health, right, um, and hit rock bottom. Uh, with supportive parents, sure, yeah, who never threatened to kick him out, right, who, right, right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I just, uh, I can't even go there. My, my tender heart cannot go there. I know it really is. I mean, that's ultimately what it feels like watching that. It's so heartbreaking to me because I think college should be, or college can be, I guess I should say some a time to really like discover yourself yeah. and have fun and experiment yeah. and try crazy things and you know make great friends and whatever you know and obviously like not everyone's college experience is that way but it just makes me sad to see these kids and and like I said at the beginning of our last week's or yesterday's episode you know I'm sure a lot of these kids enrolled in BYU not knowing they were queer or or not really coming to terms with that identity or not or able not, to speak out about or it knowing or what the fuck they yeah, were going to do exactly so like I'm not blaming any of these kids for going, but it just oh, no. it, it just makes me sad that like college could be something so much better. But mm-hmm. but like we talked about, then you're then you're two years into your degree and you're like, well, do I transfer? Do I spend all that money? Do oh. I lose all these all these credits? It might set me back a year. You know, uh-huh. like there's a lot of things to consider. And it just it makes me sad that kids get kind of trapped in that experience. Uh-huh. And that and that, it, yeah. and that that is going to continue as long as there are Mormons and as long as there are is BYU, that will continue. Because yeah, there will be kids that go there just, you know, for a variety of reasons and then are like, oh, wait, this place is going to kill me. Yep. <sighs> anyway. Well. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Anyway, I do. I mean, I think if you're interested at all in this topic, I think the documentary is worth watching. It's, you know, 90 minutes long. It's, you know, has some fun characters. That are real people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's also really depressing. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Anything you want to say to wrap up? Dear C. Jane Kendrick. Are Christ. we saying the prayer again? I mean, w- apparently we went on and on and on uh, in part one of this. I think we were both very tipsy at that point. <laughs> we were so, so I don't really remember so, a lot of the prayer. So tipsy. No, I don't need to offer up a prayer. Okay. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Hot Drinks. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon where you can ask us, where we're going to post some stuff soon that's going to blow your mind. Oh my God. I don't know what we're going to post, but we'll come up with some <laughs> stuff. But um, you can go to Patreon patreon.com slash hot drinks and you can make a small monthly donation mm-hmm. um 
and help support us and get some bonus content and stuff. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. Anyway, that's all. Good night. Good night. Oh, my phone's locked. Hold on. I got to get back to the screen. It's Keep talking. I can't edit this. Oh, uh, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal.